you're never more alive than the first time someone puts a gun to your favorite head and asks you to dance. we welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. You know, this is pretty exciting. We're actually just getting ready to leave for a road trip. We're on our way to Washington, D.C., and uh, I am going to be elected to the National Podcast Association Triumvirate. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. How am I just finding about finding out about this as I got on the plane with you? Um, well, I didn't want my enemies to know. Oh, I, I think I see where you're going with this. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. Yeah, I need that responsibility like a bullet in the head. Because, you know, Q got the bullet in the head. Right. Speaking I, of, I right. saw the episode, too. Right. Speaking of Q, <laughs> hey, guess what episode we're doing? Which one is it, Ryan? So this week we have Q Bono. This is, of course, the episode where Q appears and he sings with you, too. Uh, that's not the episode that I saw. It's not? No. Oh. No, it, no, you I I think it's in the pronunciation where you're getting mixed up. Okay. Kiwi Bono. Oh, you not know Not Bono. Yeah. That's not even like Well, I guess it could be a phrase. Sure. Cubano. Okay. For like if you were a stagehand, mm-hmm. you would Cubano. Right? Yeah. But yeah. that's not what we're talking about I here. I think Bono goes when he wants to go. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> you are probably right. No, this is Kiwi Bono. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now, see, pronouncing the name of this episode differently, the correct way, now I have a whole different vision of what this episode's about. Good, because this was going to be a short discussion if you were thinking <laughs> this was uh, Q sings with you 2 on stage. All right. Okay, so, yeah, the, the name of the episode, it's a little strange. It's uh, Latin, right? I don't mean to get into your trivia segment, but yeah, you're da- you're dancing. I, I you're didn't dancing mean to dangerously close. So, there. but you know, I thought I thought we'd we'd have a little fun with a with a, a name that's difficult to pronounce. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. I, I enjoy that. But uh, here we are again, um, again this week, just right on schedule, like always. Uh, I think you probably got some stuff ready for us, don't you? Some I trivia? do. I do have a little trivia for us. Great. Um. So, Kiwi Bono, Bono, Bono. <laughs> what, what did I say earlier? It was the cor- correct pronunciation earlier. Right. Forget this last segment. Uh, but anyway, it is. it literally means in Latin, who benefits, which is really appropriate uh, for this episode that we're going to be discussing. In the rhetorical Latin, it's a legal phrase that's used to imply that whoever appears to have the most to gain from a crime is likely the culprit. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. So, appropriate name. And uh, in this episode, we have actors Kirsten Robeck, and she plays Gretchen Rania, um, Q's assistant. Not Q. Sid. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a problem, Mm -hmm. I think, for the rest of this episode. It was the last time we did this, too, I think. Um, But in in any case... I think we held it together last time a lot better. You know what? We did a lot better Mm -hmm. than we have this time. Uh I guess chalk it up to experience? No. 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 Lack of preparation? Maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, In any case, uh, Kirsten Robeck here. She is uh, not new to the genre of science fiction. She's played in Stargate SG-1, the 4400, Eureka, Fringe, and a little show that you and I are waiting for a second season of that we thought was canceled. Firefly? No. No. (laughs) Uh, Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) No, Timeless. Oh, she okay. She appeared in an episode of Timeless. And I think I know which one it was. I think she played like a cowboy in the 1800s. Or a cowgirl. A cow, a cow person. Cow person. Mm-hmm. It is the 21st century. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's right or not. I'm just... Go with it. Okay. We'll go right. with that. Cow person. We also have Robert Lewis. Now, he plays Kaor Ragatz. Now, he's been, again, another one of those that's been in a lot of sci-fi. The X-Files, Millennium, several stints on The Outer Limits, 
And he had a recurring role as Dr. Peter Tanner on Stargate SG-1. And he also appeared in the Dark Angel series as well. He also, Ryan, we gotta, we gotta do it. He also appeared on the commish. Yes. Yep. So, Robert Lewis, we applaud you for being on that show. Okay. Uh, interestingly enough, Andromeda is one of his last credited roles before retiring from acting in 2003. Hmm. And then uh, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that John DeLancey is in this episode. Never heard of him. <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, once again, a Sid Prophet. Um, we have seen him before in the first season. That's where I recognized him. There, mm-hmm. That one time. Mm-hmm. That one time he showed up before. Uh, interestingly enough, I thought this was a n- nice little tidbit I wanted to include here. He is only, or he is one of only 26 actors that have acted in both the Doctor Who series and in the Star Trek franchise. One of how many? One of 26. I'm curious, though, what you what you do when you include shows like Stargate SG-1. Because in my rewatch of that series recently, he has shown up uh, playing a reviled character. <laughs> and then also, when you figure in Andromeda, you've got four you know, top series in sci-fi. Well, you got four solid series <laughs> in sci-fi. And, you know, he he has got to be one of those actors that's in a upper echelon of recognizable characters. I mean, you joke about not recognizing him. Yeah. That's nobody that watches TV can't recognize John DeLancey. Can't, can't not. Can't not. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Can't not recognize John DeLancey. Mm-hmm. Whether he's playing Q or Sid or uh, a colonel or general, whatever he was in SG-1, I forget now. So, um, anyway, yeah, I'm just, I'm gushing now about mm-hmm. John DeLancey. I like him mm-hmm. as an actor, and mm-hmm. it's great to see him in this episode. And that's what I've got for trivia. Hey, man, bravo. You uh, had some time to work on that, though, didn't you? Uh, about a week. Okay, well... Man, it came together. It, it sounded like you worked on it for months. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's move right on past that now. And uh, you still got some voice left? Because I think you still got some reading to do. It's going to be a real short night if I don't. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. All right. Hey, what was this episode about? Tell us what happened. All right. So here's the summary of QE Bono. I just like saying it that way. <laughs> That's... I'm not sure what accent that was. <laughs> it was enjoyable. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what. As long as was. we're having fun. Yes. Just, yeah. Here's the summary. The Andromeda is quickly into the action, fending off attackers of a courier ship. Once the pirates are dealt with, the courier indicates that it has a passenger for the Andromeda to deliver. It's a candidate for the triumvirate. Much to Becca's dismay, the candidate is her backstabbing uncle, Sid Prophet. You remember Sid, don't you? Not that angry kid that doesn't play well with toys, although he's not much better. He's the one that got Becca hopped up on Flash and tried to get her killed. Not something that's easily forgiven or forgotten. But to Dylan, the mission is a simple one. Take Sid to the world of Golden Harvest and then on to Zinti for the election. Despite Becca's misgivings and in spite of a rude High Guard Admiral's gruff orders, Dylan decides to transport the candidate. But it wouldn't be much of an episode if it were that easy. Sure enough, Becca later finds Uncle Sid seemingly dead in his office. They are able to keep him alive, but there is a murderer to be found. Becca would appear to be at the top of that list, but Sid's revenge fund quickly dissuades anyone of that notion as Sid's competitors quickly set to work trying to wipe each other out in order to collect the substantial reward. With people dying all over Golden Harvest, the settlement itself being blown apart, and Sid seeming to benefit by the chaos around him, Dylan sets out to get to the bottom of what Sid's real game is. Sid eventually steals the Maru and reveals to Becca that he staged the assassination attempt in order to garner the sympathy vote. The Maru is set upon by bounty hunters, which Sid and Becca are able to fight off. Sid stays alive and goes on to Zinti for the election. Dylan carries out his high guard mandate to be the good guy and do the right thing, and Becca finds a little bit of closure in her troubled past with both her uncle and her flash-addled father. The end. Hey, Ethan. Yes, sir. I just want you to know something. Okay. 
if anything should happen to me, okay, yes, I have a special fund set aside. This sounds dangerous. If you can take care of whoever is responsible, there's fifteen dollars in it for you. Well, since it'll probably be me, mm-hmm. maybe it'll be your wife. Maybe could be. <laughs> it'll just stay there then. <laughs> I'm not I'm not messing with her. <laughs> I like Sid's path. I mean, if if I were uh, advising him on his career, I, I think he's already got a good thing going from criminal to politician. Seems like, I don't know though, it seems like a very lateral career move, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, except um, one is legal and the other is not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Again, we have a problem with security on the Andromeda. I just want to point this out. We don't need to make make a whole big thing out of it. But uh, Sid steals the Maru, right? Dude, that's like, I have that on my list. Yeah. Oh, oh so go, to talk go ahead. About. Go ahead. Well, let's let's oh. let's hash this out. Okay. Okay. I get it. Sid knows the the codes, right? He can he can he can get in. He can fire it up. He's got the keys, basically, right? What I still don't understand is why can Andromeda not lock the garage door? <laughs> Haven't we talked about this a few times before? Man, it just doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> Can't Becca put like a club? <laughs> On the console, yes. right? There or, you go. or can does, can Rami not, or, or or Harper for that matter? Can he not fashion a boot <laughs> to put on the thing? I mean, I, but but that's the thing. I'm not concerned about the Maru. I'm concerned about the security of the Andromeda. Can well, can Rami just not say? She reports back to Dylan. Hey, he's leaving. Yes. Can Dylan not say? Don't open the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see where you're going, and, and you're absolutely right. It's like, she she doesn't even, there isn't even an attempt there to, to throw up any kind of a wall, or right. a tractor beam, or, mm-hmm. or something. They have a tractor beam, right? They got something like that. Maybe. They have a ram scoop. I don't see how that's relevant in this Me neither, but it's something that I know they have. <laughs> okay. I've heard that in-universe. Yeah. But this whole, thing, this whole thing with the Maru getting stolen, it it's... It's starting to become a glaring thing. And I thought it was hilarious. Um, who was it? Somebody, I didn't write down the name. He says, uh, he can't steal your ship. I'm like, how, is, how has anyone been stopped before? I mean, if somebody really, if someone half, half-heartedly tries mm-hmm. to steal the Maru, they're golden. See, because Becca's answer was, he knows the codes, right? He yeah. has the access codes. What she should have answered was, it's the Maru. <laughs> yes. And then Dylan says, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You're boned. We, we, this is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe this is the result of the Maru being cobbled together the way it is. It's just such an, a conglomerate of parts that it, whatever software makes all of these things, these parts talk to each other and, and work also leaves so many back doors for people to just, oh, this is a really easy hack right here. Boom, 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 boom. And then I'm in. Right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm flying. Yeah, I can see that. The problem is, I, and what you were alluding to earlier, is how does that translate from I can now steal the Maru, but how do I get it off of this fortress of a ship? Right. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it, Yeah, and I think that's what you're alluding to earlier. You just push the garage door button. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Mm -hmm. The Maru must have one of those up in the visor, the sun visor. (laughs) So Sid just knew that. He just pushed the button. Yeah. The security being, how well do you hide it? Apparently not very well. (laughs) Left the keys under the seat. It's... There it is. Yeah. Um, Uh, We got to... We got The crew needs to work on that. I think so, yeah. Harper needs to take a metal magnetic box and put it somewhere... Away from the flight deck. Mm-hmm. That might work. I don't know. Does it stick to rust? <laughs> point. Uh, Good point. I don't know. Yeah, that, I, I mean, issue. I'm asking. I don't know. Does it? Does a magnet I, I, stick to rust? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, that's a good science question. <laughs> I, I I totally don't want to discuss this and figure out if, if a metal box will stick to rust. A magnetic mm-hmm. box will stick to rust now. Yeah. Mm. Now let's continue. Okay. Well, you know what, though? Right after that... Next thing we know, Becca is on the Maru. Yes. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> she gets <laughs> she gets from med deck onto the maru that is already in takeoff procedure right well here was the thing mm-hmm. sid was apparently figuring out how to break out of the ship okay and that bought her enough time he hadn't found the button yet i guess okay all right um still another security flaw then Becca is able to get onto the Maru. No red light flashes. Yeah. No, there's no door ajar no or anything. No, right. the, the airlock is opened. Yeah. You might want to take care of this before exiting the hangar. Because Sid was totally surprised, he was right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. did you get on here? <laughs> you know, might yeah. ask you the same thing. Hold your enemy's hand. Mm-hmm. I think Sid alluded to that. Uh, hold, holding his enemy's hand. It was a tear. Was it tier? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I should have put names next to these notes. <laughs> of course, I didn't expect them to sit for a week before we came back around to mm. them. So, um, yeah. Or I, I could have just reviewed the, sh- the show a fourth time, you know, over this last week. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it could yeah. be. So, tier, it loses to holding in the enemy's hand. Uh, keeps them from seeing the other hand pulling the knife. Mm-hmm. Thought that was, you know, they're, they're again, a very Nietzschean. Uh, I thought it was very similar to keep your friends close yep. and your enemies closer. Right. I, I like I I always like that saying. And I thought, uh, you know, in light of nothing else to bring up, just Tyr had a neat little spot mm-hmm. alluding to something that we're uh, a saying that we're familiar with. Right. Yeah. Um, I had a note about that, too, because I couldn't help but wonder if there was intended to be something more cryptic to that. Because as okay. he is delivering that line, he's holding Rebecca's... Rebecca? He's holding Becca's hand as he's rewrapping it. Uh, that's true. That's true. He was holding her hand. So yeah. is he alluding to her that, that he is somehow going to betray her? Is that the illusion? I'm just saying. It's, it, illusion, it's, not it, illusion. Why would he be holding her hand at the time that he's saying that? He's saying that? No, that's true. Unless, you know it, unless it was intentional. That's true. I did, really didn't think that deeply on it, but you're right. That is the situation as it was going down. Hmm. Could be something there. I, I don't know all of what's coming, but um, yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, this is sort of a production thing that I want to bring up. Maybe I'm being a little bit nitpicky here. But the data port. Mm-hmm. When Sid is lying in the bed, in on on the med deck, right? Yes. Dylan looks down, and there's that close-up shot of the data port in Sid's neck. I mean, that is all that the frame is. There's nothing else. Yeah. All right. It's it's as if they wanted you to know exactly what Dylan was thinking. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it shot in a way that we're supposed to, to know this is significant for some reason, right? Yes. We're supposed to know about this data port. And then in the next scene, they're trying to figure out how it is that they're going to communicate with Sid in his comatose condition, right? Yes. And then you can see the wheels turning, and then all of a sudden you see the light bulb come on in Dylan's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Because he spots Harper's data port okay wait one (laughs) plus one equals two exactly um it's broadcast they were were very heavily broadcasting i mean if that's not beating us over the head with it right yeah because i don't i don't mean to rewrite these scenes but here i go so when they show the data port on Sid's neck, to me, Dylan gets the idea right then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, like, I got a guy I can plug into that. Yeah. I've seen one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's on my engineer. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know what the next step is, right? Yeah. Not a whole conversation, and then all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I Again... We're okay. going to come back around to this part of the discussion, I think, toward the end of this this particular episode we're doing. Okay. All right. So put a pin in that. All right. I'm gonna... and we may or may not come back to that specifically. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to draw a little thumbtack right here. There you go. So it looks like a pin. All there right. There you go. Um, okay. Uh, here's something 
we've learned. Okay. Tyr Anasazi. Mm-hmm. What's his middle name again? I don't think he has a middle name. Just Tyr Anasazi. Oh, Tyr. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking middle name. No, Tyr Anasazi out of Barbosa through... Out of Victoria. Out of Victoria via Barbo. <laughs> Forget how it goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in any case, Tyr Anasazi. Mm-hmm. Powerful mercenary. Yep. Cunning warrior. Father of the Nietzschean Messiah. Accomplished glass painter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... Wow. This Man guy's versatile. Well, you yeah. know, the Nietzscheans, that's one of the things they like to show their artistic side. It's it's very um, appealing to the females. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it is kind of a cool thing. Um, because we, we have gotten used to viewing the Nietzscheans as very aggressive, mm-hmm. um, dominant warrior like mm-hmm. and and it almost to the point where it kind of starts to you immediately want to take and, and I think we talked about this in early episodes how I immediately wanted to take Nietzscheans and clump them in with Klingons mm-hmm. right that was where my my head went yeah when I but this really is starting to show you that they have a culture they are a cultured people mm-hmm. and I mean Tyr is constantly demonstrating this right and you have to imagine that it exists in other parts of Nietzschean culture as well, in the other prides. So, I don't know. I think it's cool in how it distinguishes the Nietzscheans from being different than the other aggressive species that you see in other uh, monocultures and other mm-hmm. sci-fi series. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you bring it up, though, because I, I do wonder, why is he painting? Yeah. <laughs> because... Glass painting. Yeah. But, I mean, just... Tyr has said that every single decision that a Nietzschean makes is for the purpose of attracting a mate. Mm-hmm. Everything they do. Yes. That's their purpose, is because they want to carry on their line. That is their sole purpose. So art, I kind of joked about it earlier, but art apparently must, he must have some reason for doing this. To better himself in think... order to attract a female. Because that's the only thing that Nietzscheans care about. Do you think there's an art gallery somewhere that's featuring works by Tyr Anasazi? And it's like, they're not for sale. But if you'd like to leave your number, <laughs> he'll get back to you. <laughs> you Maybe. could meet the artist. Yeah. Maybe. And there's probably a bio right next to it. There you go. How, how many kills he's got. It's a yeah. fantastic way to meet. Eligible females. Because mm-hmm. if they're in the art gallery, they're cultured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got something going. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a very smart thing going here. Yeah. This is a whole side project. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fantastic if that's actually a thought. Maybe. I wonder if he's like focused so much, though, on his combat skills and and his physique that... Compared to other Nietzscheans, he's actually a really terrible artist. <laughs> they're looking at the art gallery, but they're like, this was done by a 12-year-old. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Moving on. All right. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, so the Zenti, they can hold a grudge. Yes. They're still mad about the Hone thing. Oh, yeah. Well, well he was their their best scientist. Yeah, but that's been like... Almost a year. Yeah. (laughs) Almost a year. Yeah. Well, um, I I don't know what else to tell you, man. He was their best scientist. Mm -hmm. And they're going to need science in order to beat the Magog ship. Yeah. They're just seems silly if they're blaming it on Dylan, though. (laughs) Here's the thing. Everything's getting blamed on Dylan. Yeah. I mean, what was the deal here? Uh, My next little thing. Uh, High Guard Command, the Admiral says, your stock at High Guard HQ ain't what it once was. Mm -hmm. Since when? Mm -hmm. It's been like a month. Since the ratification. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is going on? What what has this man done other than rebuild society and civilization? It's, yeah. And now his stock is already gone and he's being ordered around like some, you know, passenger liner captain. I could totally draw in a blank on where I was going with that. But yeah, you know, he's being ordered around as if he as if he has no clout whatsoever. Right. This is a man with all the clout. 
And yet, yeah, and yet everyone everyone wants to blame him for, you know, dead scientists. And, you know, I'm sure the fish people have got a beef with him now for some reason because they keep showing up in all the battles, Mm -hmm. even though they can't fight. I didn't care for the admiral's um, attitude toward the fish people. That's that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This admiral's just, yeah, he's just got an attitude about everything. Typical admiral, really. Yeah. Um, That does correlate to other series. Yeah. Now, this. We, we've kind of touched on this a little bit before on this very subject. And, and I, I had that in my notes because I, in my notes, I had that in my notes because I wanted to talk about that. It's just how Dylan is just totally losing control. Is that something to, to discuss in what we've learned about the, the world in which we're watching here? I think so. Okay. Well, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's save it for that then. You know, Ryan, mm-hmm. as, um, as silly as the high guard safety glasses are visually, mm-hmm. I have to begrudgingly admit that they do make a lot of sense. Do they? But so does a riot helmet. <laughs> I'm thinking a riot helmet would be much better than safety glasses. <laughs> yeah, probably. Riot helmet trumps safety glasses. Yeah, for sure. It stops spit from getting anywhere on your face, Mm -hmm. which who wants that on your cheek? No, no one. Safety glasses is not going to stop that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Debris from an exploding wall Mm -hmm. from when the Maru blows out the wall behind you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Safety glasses, mm, you're still going to get stung. Yeah. I I was thinking, you know, a little bit of flying debris and dust is about the only thing that those things are really going to protect you from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's... uh, I would consider that inadequate safety. Yeah. Uh, and they need riot shields. Yeah. That would yeah. be more appropriate. Yeah. Um, those and glasses, also visually more impactful. Probably, yeah. I think those glasses are perfectly adequate for, um, you know, say, what I do for a living. Yeah. But maybe not high guard. Blowing yeah. stuff up. And Getting shot at. Yeah. I mean, maybe they stop bullets. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the ANSI standards are a lot more strict than yeah, in yeah. three thousand years from they're now. They're using um nanotechnology Probably, polymers yeah. and whatnot. Transparent aluminum. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Transparent aluminum safety glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway. Uh hey, I got a question. About the matrix, right? The VR matrix. Mm-hmm. Sid is comatose, basically, right? Yes. I mean, that's what we're that's what we understand. Yes. Um, but there is brain activity. Yes. Right. But when they show up, he's just standing there. <laughs> hey, hey, guys! <laughs> thanks for, is he, thanks is for he dropping just, in. Is that what he does? Is he just standing there all the time? I know because there's the one scene. I think it's Dylan walks up behind him, and he's standing there with his hands clasped behind, him, and he just kind of turns around like, oh. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that just because he's in a coma or is that all the time? What what I here's another thing I want to know is what if he has to use the restroom <laughs> and you show up in that moment? Mm-hmm. Is he visualizing standing in front of a urinal? Oh, hey, just a second. <laughs> I hope not. Because well, besides it's something that you wouldn't want to see, right. but also I'd be a little concerned if that's something that you do in the matrix. Do you do it in real life, too? Yes. Okay. But he has a catheter because he's unconscious. Oh, okay. So it just goes. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just saying, if I go into a VR matrix with you and I see you standing with your back to me, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to say your name first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ethan, I'm in here. I'm in your brain. Turn around slowly. <laughs> so, um... Wh- wh- how exactly is this whole thing set up? Because they have to connect to to him through his data port, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Rami just always connected to anyone that has a data port in there? Or just because he's unconscious? Because Rami just pops up in the Matrix while Dylan's in there. That is true. Yeah, just her giant head. Now, now hold on. When when they put Harper in first, and then subsequently uh, uh, Dylan, mm-hmm. was there a physical connection to his his Jack? Something had to be connected to it. Yeah, I assume so. Which I guess it would make sense. Rami would be the bridge. She would be handling the the handshake between the two streams, the two consciences. Okay. 
um, and I'm thinking in modern communication terms, um, you know. So, yeah, I, I guess it would make sense that she could just appear because she would just be monitoring the connection. That seems like an invasion, doesn't it? A lot of things about Rami seem like they would be very invasive <laughs> and have proven to be so mm-hmm. in times past. We've seen mm-hmm. her just pop up in Dylan's quarters at somewhat awkward moments. Sure. Yeah. So why wouldn't she do that in somebody's head? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. AI's bad, man. Yes. It's what we're circling around to here. There you go. <laughs> See, this isn't even an AI episode but we ju- at all. We just made it one. Hmm. Or at least we're touching on it. Yeah, and and why did Rami have to be so big? That Did that not seem like a little bit of an ego thing? Uh-huh. I think so. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting a little... The, the, ship, the ship itself... I think has kind of an ego. Mm-hmm. It's always it always seems kind of condescending when dealing with the rest of the crew. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about this episode. Just in general, mm-hmm. whenever we've seen the ship show up, it's a little bit bigger. It's you're, it's almost like looking down at the crew whenever it projects itself. Right. It that seems to be a tendency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think we may have stumbled upon something. Yeah. Well, I mean. I would, too, if I was a big, bad warship. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, you know what? I kind of want to put a pin in that okay. and see if we if we think to discuss that in a future episode. <laughs> All right. I, I will be watching for that as a tendency now, and I may bring it up again. Okay. Let's get a little bit serious now. What do you say? Um, some things that we uh, learned about the universe, some things that happened in this episode. Um, one of them, actually, we, we started to touch on a little bit, but... We decided to hold yeah, off. Let's actually remember a pin and come back to okay. it. Okay. Let's um, do it now. I drew a thumbtack right here. So I know that this, we need to talk this about is a this great, one right great. This is a great system we got going here this now. Is, this is just, you know, three seasons in. And we've, <laughs> we've figured out to remember to talk about the things we're no, going no, to no, no. We're going to talk about Two later. seasons, three episodes, and a week later. Yeah. Right. Now we're now we're doing this. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Dylan is losing his influence. Over the new Commonwealth. We've kind of talked about this a little bit in the, the in the last few episodes. Because it seemed like this was something that was kind of happening. Mm-hmm. And, and we were kind of wondering. We were like, what's going on here? What is the future of this? Where is his place? Well, we got an answer to the, in this episode. Yeah, we got it straight from the, well, the top of the chain of command. Right. Um, yeah, you're nothing, Dylan. Everybody's mad at you. Thanks for all of this, but it's all your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which um, just seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It just... Uh, yeah. I I, <clears throat> I really want to see them develop something out of this to give us kind of a reason for why this is happening. Whether it's something behind the scenes or, or something that's going to develop in, in a future episode. But it just... It, right now, it just feels... It just is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For him to have invested all of this time and energy into doing this coordinating and bringing everyone together for an admiral to sit there and say, yeah, just just do what we tell you to do because, mm-hmm. you know, we got no respect for you. Yeah. It, no. It, it I mean, it, it seems almost stupid to just say he deserves more respect than that. I'm really having trouble putting into words just exactly. Well, this is a huge slight. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that's responsible for all of this. And it's true. Dylan was the one that to choose not to hold office, right? Yeah. He didn't want to be in charge. But what's going on with these people to to do this, to, to do this to Dylan, to, to completely disrespect him and and blame everything on him? Yeah, you know, we've had these discussions in the last few episodes where we're wondering what's happening mm-hmm. with the Commonwealth. And we were looking at it from the Commonwealth standpoint. They're making decisions that we ne- don't necessarily think should be made or it's but we kind of explained it, mm-hmm. right? It's it's young. They don't have the benefit of a long time. So decisions are having to be made quickly and yeah. maybe they're not the right decision. Maybe they're not the best decision. And we see Dylan kind of struggling with, all right, is this still, is this the Commonwealth that I wanted to build? And that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a really good explanation a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was the last episode. I can't remember now. It's been a week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
on on the grand scale, on the government scale, I can see where there would be a lot of misgivings and, and a lot of missteps would would take place. But here we, as you mentioned, we have sp- got something specific in the high guard chain of command, mm-hmm. and at the very top, they're looking at this person that is their best captain, their most valuable player, and they're saying, uh, "We we want you to just run a passenger." Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and essentially, basically tell them, just stay out of the way. Yeah. And not only that, but you're in danger of not leading the fleet anymore. Yeah. Because why? <laughs> right. Well, there were these couple of things that, you know, boy, you really messed up on that one. Even though you've created everything, right? There were a couple of little things that were kind of a problem. The the, the Percy, what? how did he say it? The Percy ads, Percy ads. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this admiral, man, I want to know where he went to school because, <laughs> um, yeah, just so improper all over the place, including his treatment of Dylan. Just no appreciation. I think that's yeah, that's where I want to go with this. Just a complete lack of appreciation and respect for the man who has now. Single-handedly, basically, I mean, he has his crew, but it, it all revolves around him. He's the one that built this entire system of government that they are all now um, part of. So basically what you're describing is the high guard is basically like a 16-year-old son addressing its father that it does not appreciate or respect. You know what? That might be it. There you go. <laughs> Give it about 15, 20 years, and suddenly they're all going to think Dylan is just the, the smartest man alive. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is we need to just give this some time. Maybe. Let's just see what happens. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. But you're right. It, as far as the way the plot's going right now, it, it's it's abrupt, mm-hmm. and it's not really making a lot of sense. And it, in the end, as a viewer... This universe is a little bit frustrating in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like it's it's hastened a little bit. Um, I think maybe you could ex- expect to see something like this happen over the course of time. Maybe even a year or two. Yeah. But we're four weeks in. And, and maybe... You- Maybe a few more instances where Dylan, you know, gets accused of murder or something like that. <laughs> but I mean, mm-hmm. that's happened. But he was very quickly cleared of that. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let let's have a few more episodes where Dylan really gets himself into trouble, saves himself from the fire, but build up over time a little bit of a bad taste. Mm-hmm. This just seems like it's we're mad at you because that's the way we were written. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I think you just said it. Did did I put too fine a point on that? Um, I didn't. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But, you know, I mean, is it because of all these things that the Admiral listed? Or is it just because, hey, thanks for putting this whole thing together, um, but we kind of have our own ideas now? Well, uh, hold on. Yeah. That argument doesn't hold water with what the Admiral said. Because here we've already got the high guard making missteps or, or at least the Commonwealth making missteps. Everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Everybody is making mistakes right now. Yeah. Until all of these moving parts find an equilibrium, mistakes are being made and feet are being stepped on. So for the Admiral to look at Dylan and say, this happened, this happened, this happened, that doesn't hold water. But that's, the, that's my point is are those reasons actual reasons why they're treating the Dylan this way or are they just throwing the stuff up there? exactly yeah. they they now these are people who have power that maybe they've never really had power before yeah and they have power in something that's much bigger than they have ever been a part of before but there's this guy so who has we, everyone's respect so now we got to take these we got to undermine them when, let's let's smear this guy yeah let's smear his reputation all over the three galaxies right okay and and let's take control away from this guy because he's just got too much control. So this is actually the the slimy underbelly that's trying to rise up through the ranks and and use the power that's now been invested in it in this entity. And they've got to get the one guy out of the way. Maybe. I mean, last week you brought it up. Last week I was thinking, you know, it's just, 
hey, this, these are it's a it's a new system of government. People from all kinds of different worlds, they all have their own different ideas, and they're they're having a little bit of trouble figuring out their way. Yeah, this just seems a whole lot more sinister, usurpious. Oh, yeah, there you go. Is that a word? It is. Let's now. go with it. I like it. <laughs> I like the way it sounded. Um, okay, I, I buy that. Let's okay. let's watch going forward and see okay. see if that kind of plays itself out. Um, and then speaking of Dylan himself. Man, I don't know if I'd be taking it this well. He's yeah. He's upset. Yeah. But he's But he's still holding the, the he's holding to the line. He's following the orders. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, maybe maybe he wishes for the dark times like he said. Yeah. But um, he's just kidding. he's he's hanging in there. He's got a lot of patience. Mhm. Of course he's been at this for a couple of years trying to put civilization together, so. Yeah. Got to give the man some credit on that. Uh, can, can we talk about Becca for a moment? Yeah, sure. If, if I may. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we got a lot of character development out of Becca in this episode, don't you think? Yeah. So one of the the main things that we have followed throughout, that I have enjoyed following, actually, for the first few seasons, the first couple of seasons, Becca's family. You know, we've seen Rafe. Mm-hmm. Um, he he only showed up in the one episode, but however, I did read a book where he was in it, and a lot of good stuff uh, in there. I uh, have that book. You do have that book. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where that book went <laughs> once I brought that up. Uh, good, good. Have you have you read that book? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Anyway, it's good. I fully intend to. Okay, I want you to know that. Okay, I've only had it for two years. Right. <laughs> uh, Becca's family has been. One of the more intriguing threads woven throughout the series. And so, like I mentioned, her brother, her father, and Uncle Sid. Now we get him back again. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot to do with facing hard truths that Becca has to go through in this episode. Mm-hmm. And letting go of, of preconceptions or misconceptions. I don't, I'm really not sure which would be the more appropriate term to use there. Maybe both are kind of... Accurate. I'd say misconceptions. Misconceptions? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Rebecca goes and actually apologizes for her cowboy behavior mm-hmm. to Sid, which I think is a really interesting thing for Becca to do. I mean, we've seen her make a lot of advancement. But considering where we left off with Sid in the first season, this is a huge thing for Becca to kind of swallow her pride and go in and, ma- and make an apology to him. Considering... He wanted her dead, mm-hmm. basically, the, the way we left it off the last time. And then, you know, throughout the rest of that, her dealing with what she wants to believe and, and how easily that becomes the truth in her narrative. And yet Sid comes in and says, look, you know, everything I've ever done really is is to keep you isolated or protected. And in the end, you, while you don't believe him 100%, you do kind of see his side. And so you see that kind of tear down some of her misconceptions mm-hmm. that she's had about her dad and her uncle. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I thought this was a really good episode in how it uh, how it how it portrays both of these characters in this very dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. You know, I gotta say, when it comes to Sid, um, because at the very end, you know, he has that moment where he tells her that he loves her. And everything that he's ever done, he was trying to protect her. I have to say, I believe him. Yeah, I, um, I kind of did this too. Is, this is one of those kinds of a shows where if someone usually is doing some sort of doublespeak or something, we know. You know what I mean? There's something about the way they say it. There's something in their eyes. There's always that kind of sideways glance or something you know there's something that gives away to the audience there's 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 more to this but and maybe this was just john delancey's acting and him trying to really make sid seem like a sincere person when he's actually not yeah or maybe sid is just that good of an actor but i really felt like when he said that at the end of this episode that he meant it at the same time, I also got to say, from Becca's perspective, who cares? You <laughs> murdered my dad. Yes, he did do that. 
I mean, it wasn't like it was it was one of those it was a bad situation. He had to make a decision and yeah, Becca's dad had to go. He straight up set him up and murdered him. Yes. So you love me? Cool. I hope you die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I Okay, I, d- I didn't say that, you know, they would now be able to share a drink at the next family get-together. Mm-hmm. Which I think it would be just the two of them. Rafe, Rafe could be there. Uh, he's not going to show up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Come on. He's kind of he's, he's, he's flighty yeah, that way. He's yeah. the one, you know, yeah, in every family. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Uh, what's Rafe up to? Who knows? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a... Per- well, like I said, it just... A little bit of closure in a very messed up family. And, and so it, if Becca wants to hold that against Sid, that he killed her father, mm-hmm. she has every right to continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And she could. She could carry that with her going forward. But I, I think in this episode what we've learned is that it's it's a little easier for a person, regardless of whatever that hurt is, to let at least a little bit of it go so that you can, you know, not be constantly grumbling and gnashing your teeth. Yeah. Is it possible to do all the wrong things for the right reasons? Ooh, that's a good question. Because really, that's what it seems like Sid has done. Uh, yeah. Because, like I say, I believe him. When he say that he's done all of these things to protect her, you know, like keeping the debtors off so that she can have the Maru. Mm-hmm. To live in that's 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 her only place, right? Yeah. So yeah. she's safe there. She's able to make it on her own. All the stuff like um, putting the nutrition supplements in the Easter eggs for their birthday party. We <laughs> got a little mixed <laughs> up there, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, I mean, and he just there's there's been several examples of all of these things that Sid has done. In order to try to protect her. Sure, there was that time he tried to kill her. Um, but she, as he brought out, that's because he thought she was trying to kill him. Which kind of takes away a little bit of the sincerity of him trying to do everything he can to protect L- her. Let me ask costs. you this. Okay. Do you think that's why he has latched on to this whole idea of being a politician? And is just going for it gung-ho? Because this is his opportunity to go from basically the shadowy underworld and do something positive. Where he can collect the accolades for it, and, and but it's legitimate. Okay, okay. Um, I see that, and I will say no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he's still just as scummy and as skeevy as he ever was, but he wants to put a legal face on it. Okay. Right. So now he's just, he's going to be a dirty politician. So you don't think there's any real redemption in this character? I'm not. I'm not arguing with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm just saying that's that's the vibe I'm getting off of your redemption. Your... Redemption in what way? As in, okay, everything. Well, all he we wanted all... was for Becca to be able to stand in the same room with him and be okay. Yeah. Which I feel like that kind of sort of happened toward the end. Yeah, I mean, okay, all right, I'll give you that. There's there's some redemption in that sense, but I'll. Man, just a tiny little bit. I mean, it's not like a Shawshank redemption or anything. It's just a little <laughs> bit of redemption, you know. So, so if I'm gauging your feeling on this episode, you're thinking that maybe they wrote Becca a little bit too soft and accepting. No, no, not necessarily. I mean, because I mean, have you ever been in that situation where someone has done something wrong, but then? Maybe when you hear their side of it, you still don't condone what they have done, but you you have a little bit more empathy. Yeah, you can you can say, I don't approve of that, but I can see where you were coming from. Right. Um, and and I, I think that if if that's a family member, you're much more apt to kind of let things go. Yeah, unless they murdered your father, who, and it's not like. Okay, sometimes Wait maybe... a second. Has your father been murdered and you're thinking specifically... No. Okay. No, no, okay, I'm just no, checking here. No, yeah. but if, if if Becca's dad was somebody who she didn't respect, 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I think her her attitude towards Sid would be totally different. Mm-hmm. But but Becca was totally snowed, probably just in her own mind. She did it herself. She had so much love and respect for her dad, thinking he was such a wonderful man that did everything for her. And she has this idea of Sid as as the businessman the one he's he's the backhanded one and you know and then she finds out that he murdered her dad you know of course what's she supposed to think of him even though she doesn't know the truth about how her dad really was but she's built up this image of her dad mm-hmm. and and so to see that image torn down man it's almost like he murdered him twice <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's a good point but then again, and maybe it also makes it a little bit easier for her to understand what Sid has done over all these years. Yes. And to understand that every, not everything, but so many of the things that he's done has been to benefit her and to protect her. Yeah. Ugh, but see, then... The, it, well, it doesn't make anything about the situation right. No, it doesn't. But but that then that's when I say that, and I'm, and I'm starting to feel good about it, and then I remember... <laughs> He tried to kill her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you circle every, around to that. Everything I've ever done was to protect you. Except, except when Except the time I tried to kill you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it... And, and, and like I said already, and I'm, now I'm starting... It, it is just a big circle because yeah, now I'm starting is. to repeat myself. You know, okay. because at the, end, at the end of the last viewing of that episode that I watched... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was ready to sit down and have this discussion and be like, yeah, this is a total, it, it, not total, but it, this is a redemption story. And Becca has some closure. But hearing you go through it and, and cycle <laughs> several times on this, uh-huh. um, wow. It's like Sid really shouldn't be let off. I mean, he has done reprehensible things that mm-hmm. should not be forgiven. And yet they Get that little bit in there so that you're like, eh, yeah, he's not such a bad guy. Well, I mean, if you see what this is doing to me, imagine what Becca's going through. Oh, I know. Right? Torture. Yeah. And there was something I was going to say in there, but I just kept going around in a circle. I couldn't get back to it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to leave it and it, move on. It hurts my head a little bit. A little bit? I, yeah. You know, I, no, I don't trust him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is the last time we're going to see him, I think, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, you know maybe maybe Becca won't have to be burdened with having to continue to to deal with him. Yeah, maybe next week she will have completely forgotten any of this happened. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. There you go. So hey, Ethan, like we do at this time every week. Oh, I know what's coming. All right, you're never more alive than the first time someone puts a gun to your favorite head and asks you to dance. Yeah. That was from Major Corgo Corgar from The Last of the Lancers, 32 after the fall of the Commonwealth. 32 years after the fall of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. So it was bleak at that point. Things were not good. Highgard mm-hmm. was about to be wiped out. Well, these are the last of the Lancers. Yeah. 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 Um, I tell you what, as far as quotes go, this was awesome. I love it. Okay. Because, I mean, you think about it, you, you're in, in in a dire situation that way. You know, the, one of the things that we do as probably as fathers is, is you you don't necessarily want to, but sometimes you think about the worst possible scenarios for your family, right? Been there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go into details. We, we Any father can relate to this. Mm-hmm. That saying, because you can immediately slip yourself into that situation. Anybody can do anything against my body uh, if they're trying to, to con- control me or, or get me to do something. They can do anything. They can make any threat against me, and I tend to feel like I'm the type of person that would hold up. You want me to compromise? I'm not going to compromise. You put a gun to my son's head or my wife's head? I'm going to start thinking hard <laughs> about what do I have to do to make sure they're safe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that beautifully plays into this whole argument that we've had about Sid doing all the wrong things for the right reason. Except that it's not. Mm-hmm. Because by his own volition, he did bad things mm-hmm. to make money for himself. 
And then he just kind of couples in, oh yeah, it's going to benefit Becca in some nebulous way as well. So as far as drawing that line between Sid in this episode and that saying, I kind of, that's a gray area. I kind of have a hard time doing it. But as far as a quote goes, I love it. I love the idea that it expresses. You know, I appreciate you sharing that with me because now I know the perfect strategy for how I'm going to take over your podcast empire. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, as for the quote, um, honestly, I have nothing more to add to that. Really? Did oh, I do it again? Yeah, I think you covered it. Wow. Yep. It was my turn this week to go first anyway. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so um, Q Bono, what did you think of the episode, Ethan? I like you too. Yeah, um, I like you too. Q singing with you two mm-hmm. would be epic, or maybe not. I don't know if John Delancey can sing. Oh, I think I think oh, he can. Oh, yeah, I he think can. So. Yeah, 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 he he's can. Done some stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I take that back. Yeah, John Delancey and Bono singing on stage. That would be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the episode, Kiwi Bono. Uh, I did it again, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Okay. You did. All right. Kiwi yes. Bono. <laughs> I don't even still don't know what that is. I like it, But though. I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I have... I, I, I like this episode for the simple fact that we get Sid. Mm-hmm. And Sid is a strong enough character that even with... Um, even with some production issues that I have... And... <clears throat> Allow me for a second sure. to, to go through a short list okay. of the production issues that I have here. Kind of one of the the big things that I have. Oh, so the assassination scene. It's a it's a, a memory, right? They're, they're replaying Sid's memory of the assassination. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have some real problems with that. That whole sequence when they go down to the and find the guy and blow his office up and he gets shot. There were there were some. I don't know if it's the editing or the camera work or whatever it was, whatever they were trying to hide or keep off of screen to to show the limits of the budget that went into that whole sequence. It was anyway, I have some problems with it, but just that assassination scene, it's black and white until the main rival shows up on screen. And then the bullet It's more of a sepia, really. Is it sepia? <laughs> sepia, sepia, however yeah. that's pronounced. Okay. Um, yeah, there's no color until the bullet comes in. And I don't know if that's either a brilliant artistic stroke or just, I don't know. I, I like it and I don't like, I dislike it greatly at the same time. So I have some real problems with that production decision. Very unusual. Uh, John Delancey may be able to sing, but he can't fight. (laughs) No. The choreography in that sequence with him fighting him and Becca fighting the bounty hunters, which where did they come from? Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Uh-huh. They're just, they're there mm-hmm. and they're on the ship instantly. Yeah. Cause so not only is the Maru very easily stolen, mm-hmm. but well, we already pointed it out very yep. easily boarded at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we, we get that issue there, but that choreography in the fight, um, I don't know if that's just bad choreography or just John Delancey. We, we've seen his limit. <laughs> He's a great villain. As long as you don't make him do any action. Well, you know, you know what I got from that? What's that? Um, to me, it wasn't as much choreography or even John Delancey. To me, it was Sid is not good in a fight. That's true. That is true. He even made a comment about it. That is true. About him being too old. But, I mean, I'm not a fighter. But I could throw a punch and maybe look a little cooler shooting a gun. <laughs> a, a ray gun. But anyway, okay, so, so, so there's that. Uh, you brought out. Okay. Very apt. You brought out the uh, the data port, mm-hmm. the one plus one equals two, mm-hmm. the and how disjointed that was, in how you look at the data port. That's one, and you in- immediately think, well, that's I know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. But no, they try and spell it out, so they're talking down to the audience, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's particularly necessary, right? Because I already had it figured out. Yeah. 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 You know, you know what I think they could have done with that is don't even show the data port or maybe just show it very quickly, kind of an in, in, in passing shot so that we're able to see it. But it's not the focus of the shot. Yes. It's not the entire frame yeah. of the shot. Yeah. Um, 
and then I just there were a lot there was a lot about this plot that was very abrupt. The changes were very abrupt. The editing was very quick. And I understand they have to do that for expediency. We only have 42 minutes to get the story in. It just, it was a little rough. And I love Sid as a character. I was so happy to see John Delancey on screen again. But I, I don't know. The pacing of this episode and some of the... Where they take the time to lead the audience down a certain path... They didn't take that same time for more uh, entertaining or more important plot points. And I, I, I really feel like this is a very disjointed episode. So, as I've stated already what, three or four times, love the fact that we get Sid again. That's awesome. And him and uh, Lisa Ryder on screen together, were that was really cool. They actually are two really good actors together. But I have so many problems with the way this episode is written and edited and produced that it almost makes it a bad episode. But you got to watch it. You got to watch it because Sid's back. Mm-hmm. There's where I there's where I land on. Okay. Um, here's what I'll say. The I did have a few comments about the production. Um, they didn't take me out of it nearly as much as it seems to have taken you out. Um, I agree also that this is a, an episode that you have to watch because it's a Sid episode. And also another thing that I love about it is that even though I don't like what happened, it still shows what's going on in this universe as far as with the Commonwealth. Um, this whole This whole thing with Sid... And him being possibly elected to the triumvirate. I mean, that says something in itself. Yeah. That what this... are the other candidates like? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, it, it really, this whole thing is kind of... This whole episode is really a B-plot to what's going on in Season 3 so far. And that is, I think, the fall of the integrity of what the Commonwealth was supposed to be. And so, even though that's not really what this episode is about, it it's is. It's very point blank. <laughs> it's very in your face. Right. Yeah. And so, for that reason, I think this is kind of one of those episodes that you've got to see, at least for that. Because these are questions that are that have kind of been lingering the last couple of weeks now. And, as you say, it's in your face now. Yeah. It's, boom. All that stuff that you thought might be happening, it just got real. So, Sid, that was cool. That was fun. In-universe, Commonwealth, what's going on moving forward here now. Um, kind of got to see what happens next. And you know me, when it has to do with the arc, if it's something that's important for the arc... You're all in. It, it, it makes it an important episode. Yeah. Even if there are some things that don't necessarily care for. And that's happened before. Um, I don't count this one as one of those, though. I, I give it a pass on all those things that, that you had problems with. I agree. Those problems were there, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yep. All right. So, anyway, that's what we thought of... Uh, how do you say it again? Que bono. Thank you. I'm just going to make you say it from now on. So, uh, I'm just going to cue you. Ready? Oh, cue you. <laughs> <laughs> or that sound effect. <laughs> but anyway, that's what we thought of. Que bono. That's right. Um, if anyone else out there would like to give us their thoughts and opinions on this episode or any episode that we have covered in the past or any episode that we may cover in the future. I hey. Say, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. What? I interrupted you. My Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk for a second. Okay. Because uh, we were making light of a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's be real for a second with our listeners. What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, It's been more than a week. Uh, and I just want to say we've gotten a few emails, uh, a few messages from some of our, our regular listeners uh, lending support. Um, and you know what? Thank you. Thank you very much. That has, it's been a lot to, to keep it in our minds that we need to get back around to 
you know, getting these episodes out because it's, it's important for us to, to get through this as a project and we enjoy the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you enjoy coming over here and, yep. and I enjoy spending mm-hmm. time with you on discussing these episodes. It, it we also, uh, are becoming more and more aware of just how much you, the listener out there enjoy our discussions as well. And so thank you very much for making us aware of those and for sticking with us, uh, even through the dark times <laughs> when we just can't make our schedule work. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, I, I'm not going to discuss plans for the future. I'm not going to discuss, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to make any promises about, yeah, we're, we're one a week from now on. I, I'm not going to say that because things happen and life happens, mm-hmm. but, uh, it, it's good to have gotten this one done and we really look forward to getting to the next one. Yeah. So, um, and again, it, it, it really is because of a lot of uh, the messages and the support that we've got from the listeners. Um, if someone were wanting to get a hold of us and give us some of that support or uh, comments on the, on on our show, um, Ethan, how would somebody get a hold of us? Well, they can do so through uh, Drive Back the Night Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. We're also at Andromeda Pod on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Podbean, Andromeda Series yeah, if you listen to us on iTunes, uh, be sure and give us a rating and some stars. We'd certainly appreciate that. Once again, good thanks to our big friend Doug for giving us the opening quote at the beginning of this episode. Um, we are an Age of Geek production, and we hope that you will join us back here again next week. Wink, wink. For the Lone and Level Sands. And we welcome you to this episode. I was going to, I was going to issue edition. Yeah. Let's go episode. We go episodes, right? I'm the one with issues. You I do know. Episodes. You have issues. I have episodes. <laughs> Brilliant. That's, that's staying in. Let's go. Let's run. All right.